You're listening to The Wannabe Minimalist Show with Deanna Yates, episode number 84. On today's episode, we're looking at clutter creep and how to keep it at bay. With the new year here, so many people are taking on new hobbies and clutter creep, that is increasing the stuff you own thanks to new hobbies or a lifestyle change, can become a big problem. Today, we're looking at how to keep your hobby clutter under control. Welcome to Wannabe Clutter Free, formerly Wannabe Minimalist, the podcast for busy families who are tired of the chaos, fed up with being overwhelmed, and ready to enjoy life again. Each week, we talk about how to let go of the clutter so that you can focus on the things that actually matter. And it's not just physical clutter. We talk about the mental and emotional stuff too, because if it's holding you back, it's time to ditch it. I share what I've done in my own life to declutter, organize, and calm the chaos, but you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's practical, doable, and simple for those of us that want to be clutter-free. Hey there, my wannabe minimalist friend. Welcome back to the show. My name is Deanna Yates, and I am excited you're joining me today. Since it's still January when this show will air, I want to talk about something that I have noticed in my life, and it has to do with hobbies and lifestyle creep. But what does it being January have anything to do with this topic? Well, this is the time of year when the majority of people make goals, resolutions, and plans for the new year. Often with those goals come new hobbies, and with new hobbies comes more stuff. So clutter creep is the accumulation of new things as we go through life. It's the adding of more to your space without getting rid of something else at the same time. Lifestyle creep is a bit different, but we can have a lot of overlapping issues between the two. So lifestyle creep is generally when you start making more money because of a raise or a bonus or a new job, or you reduce your spending, like if you paid off a school loan or a car loan, and now find that you have access to more money each month. So without discipline, it's easy to spend that extra money on new things or lifestyle upgrades, hence the term lifestyle creep. And this time of year, you can find there might be, there might have been a work bonus or maybe you're switching jobs. A lot of that happens at the change of a new year as well. So both generally come with the accumulation of things that you did not have before the creep occurred. And figuring out what to do when this happens, because trust me, it will happen, is what this episode is going to be about. But quickly before we jump into it, I want to remind you that you can pick up the show notes for today's episode at littlegreenbow.com slash 84. There you will find links to anything I mentioned today along with my latest freebies. I'm always making new things for you, so please be sure to check it out. And after today's show, head over to littlegreenbow.com forward slash the number 84 to check it out. Again, that's littlegreenbow.com slash 84. And with that, let's look at how clutter creep has affected me in my life and my home. So I want you to know that I am not immune to this phenomenon either. Um, Yeah, I have done this too. And in fact, I've been dealing with it quite a lot lately. If you've listened to any of my recent episodes, you'll know that we moved a couple months ago. We have a little more space than before, and of course the layout is different than before, so some of our furniture no longer works and we have some spaces that need to be filled out a little bit more. Now that means it's easy to add to our stuff right now because we have an excuse of a new home and wanting it to feel right. But I know better. 
Thankfully, I have this community to keep me accountable, and I know that I need to be careful about what we bring into our home because here's the kicker. Once something is in your home, it is that much harder to get it out, and I am no exception to that rule. There is this whole thing called the endowment effect, which talks about how much more we value something once we've owned it. Even if we've only owned something for a few minutes, it is just one of the crazy ways that our human brains work. I did an episode on this way, way back, and I'll link to it in the show notes. I think it's episode number 10, and it is called Why We Love Our Stuff. So if you are interested in the scientific reasoning behind our clutter, please be sure to check it out. Now, the good news is that adding things to our homes tends to be on the more expensive side of the spectrum. So it's easier for me to delay those decisions, like if I want to buy a new sectional sofa, for instance. But another area in my life where I have struggled with clutter creep is with hobbies. So we have taken on several new hobbies since moving to San Diego about three years ago. And with each new hobby comes new things. So our newer hobbies with added items include things like paddleboarding. We purchased two inflatable paddleboards, and each of those paddleboards came with the paddles, the board itself, kayak seats, and a hand pump. But we also purchased an electronic pump and an extra paddle for my daughter. We got her a wetsuit and a life vest. We got a wet bag to keep our things dry when we're on the boards. And all of these things need to be stored in order for us to continue with this hobby. Another hobby we took up was camping this summer. We enjoyed our summer road trip with my parents and wanted to camp as a family again, but it meant acquiring more things to enjoy this new hobby. We needed a place to sleep, things to sleep in, a cooler for some food storage, and we needed some camping games, things like that. Well, and then recently we took a family trip to a horse guest ranch to celebrate Christmas with my family, and it was a lot of fun. But for the trip, thankfully, I was able to borrow a lot of the Western wear from my mom, like cowboy boots and hats. But I did end up purchasing a few things. I purchased some new jeans, flannel shirt, a Western shirt that was just for myself. My daughter ended up with new cowboy boots, a cowboy hat, three pairs of jeans, a flannel shirt, new thermals. She was gifted some jean jackets and a jean vest. We have all of this new stuff because we went on this one vacation. So some of these things that we have acquired are necessary for other hobbies that we like to do. We like to ski and go into the mountains, so we'll wear the thermals for that too. But other things may actually never be worn again before my daughter outgrows them. She grows so fast. At eight years old, I mean, she grows really quickly still. And so she might not get to wear the Western wear again before we go back for horse riding. I don't know. We'll find out. But here's the thing that I am realizing. Whenever we add new hobbies or activities to our life, we have to understand that there will be some level of stuff that comes along with it. And we have to understand that in the scheme of things, there could be an unlimited amount of stuff if we take up every hobby and never cull the collections. Now, I am never going to tell anyone not to pursue new hobbies, and I'm not going to stop pursuing new hobbies myself either, even though I call myself a wannabe minimalist. Perhaps you took camping up during the pandemic, or maybe you created a home gym. Maybe you're thinking about taking up cooking as a hobby in the new year, or you want to get into photography. If we're not going to stop pursuing new hobbies, and that is at least until you find one that you're really passionate about, because honestly, life without hobbies and interests, it gets really boring. So the real question 
is what do we do with all of this stuff that comes with these hobbies and activities? Well, for that, I have some ideas. The first thing we need to do is to be upfront about our stuff through a conscious re-engagement. So when we first purchase something or we bring something new into our homes, it generally is from a place of excitement. You have plans and dreams and goals associated with that object. For example, you purchased a new dining table so that you could invite people over and have dinner parties, or you purchased workout equipment because you wanted to get in shape. Over time, however, our excitement about these items fades. It becomes just another thing that we own. If we do not engage with the item on a regular basis, well, it just fades into the background and it just becomes part of the stuff we own. So the easiest thing to do when this happens is, well, nothing. You can keep everything you've ever purchased in the off chance that you will use it someday or that it will provide you some value. But that's not going to help very much. That's like burying your head in the sand when you're facing a problem. Instead, you can make a conscious decision to reevaluate your stuff to see how you feel about it now. This is what decluttering is at its core, but I like to look at it with a different lens because sometimes all we need to do in order to make progress with our decluttering efforts is just to look at something familiar in a new light. So this is what conscious engagement or recommitment to our things is. When it comes to the items we own, we are making decisions about them every single day, whether we realize it or not. So every day we choose one of the following scenarios for our things. One, we use it. Two, we store it. Three, we display it. Four, we remove it. Or five, we forget about it and it just takes up space in our house. So the second thing we can do to understand that each new endeavor or hobby we try is going to require things and then just go with it. We just need to embrace that. So even if you take up a healthy, very minimalist friendly hobby like running, you are still going to need clothes to run in and a good pair of running shoes. So this just means that we need to be honest with ourselves when choosing a hobby. So as you're evaluating things you want to do, think, is it just a fad that you're interested in because maybe your friends are doing it too? Or have you seen it all over social media and so you want to get in on the trend? Or does it seem like something that we generally think that we will like and want to continue pursuing? If it's anything other than that third option I just listed, well, we should probably put the brakes on it and think about if we really want to try this hobby. And then if you try the hobby and you get all the stuff, because you're going to have to store it all, all of that stuff that comes with it. So because when it comes to hobbies, it feels like one purchase will lead to another, which leads to another. And that leads me to my third point, which is to see if you can try before you buy or rent the things you need to do your hobby. For example, on our camping trip this year with my parents, we rented the RV. Now, I know that seems like a no-brainer because who's going to dish out $10,000 plus on a hobby they've never tried? But guess what? Lots and lots and lots of people did just that during the pandemic. There was a run on RVs and campers. You could not buy one, or if you did, the prices had skyrocketed from the year before. So people did that. Maybe you'll love it. And great. That is fantastic. If you can rent it and try it, wonderful. Now you have some proof that you will use the items should you decide to dive deeper into RV camping. 
However, maybe you will decide that you hated it and you'll be thrilled that you're not saddled with a bunch of new equipment that you now have to offload. Or maybe you're somewhere in the middle, which is where most of us would fall. While camping was fun, you know that you can rent that RV whenever you need it, and then you don't have to worry about storing it in the off-season. We will be right back. And now, back to the show. And the final point I want to leave you with when trying to figure out how to keep your hobby stuff to a minimum and reduce clutter creep is to start with a minimum viable amount. Now, I have some experience in the tech world, and there we talk about something called the minimum viable product, which is the simplest form of an app or a business offering that you can provide to solve a customer's problem and still be useful and valuable. So this is very similar in concept. The minimum viable amount is the least amount of items that you need to do a hobby and enjoy it. It's not going to be all the bells and whistles, and it's not going to be shoddy stuff. We want to enjoy the hobby while acquiring less stuff if possible. That is kind of the end goal. So this will let you try the hobby frequently to see if you are passionate about it. And if not, it's easier for you then to move on and let that stuff go. So we did this with camping. I want to give you an example of what we did. So we did that first trip with my parents and we did the RV and it was great and it was fun. And sure, we could have looked at getting a pop-up trailer or renting an RV. But we decided we wanted to really scale back and try tent camping. Um, My husband and I had done this when we lived in Colorado. We just had never done it with our daughter. So we knew that that would work for our non-planner personalities because, let's be honest, we generally tend to come up with ideas for the weekend on Friday night. And so we would want something where we could just say, okay, hey, this it look, the weather looks like it's going to be great this weekend. Why don't we go camping? And if we had to rent an RV or we had a pop-up trailer that was in storage, we just knew that that would limit us on what we would do. So that is why we wanted to try tent camping again. So if the opportunity came up to go camping, we could be ready really quickly. It would also allow us to share RV sites with friends or to get tent camping spots, which tend to be easier to reserve with less notice. Again, working with our personalities of the non-planners, okay? But we did not want to be uncomfortable because it's really hard to enjoy something when you are uncomfortable. So we invested in sleep mats that blow up so that's easy storage, but it still gave us a good night's rest. We got good sleeping bags, we got a decent tent, and we got some camping gear like a cooking stove, a good system for coffee, and camping essentials. It doesn't take up a ton of space, and we get to enjoy this new hobby. So if camping is not your thing, I want to give you some other ideas for how you can enjoy hobbies with less stuff. So first and foremost, if you are buying less stuff, try to buy quality. Quality is like that comfort piece. So when it comes to your hobbies, it just makes them more enjoyable. And so if that's too hard or you don't have the money for quality, I would like to recommend that you cut back on the hobbies that you want to try. Focus on one, the one you brainstorm and try to figure out the one you think you will love the most and then concentrate on that and do the best you can with that one before you move on to others. Because trust me, I have tried to go cheap and it always seems to backfire. In fact, a list of frugal failures might make for an interesting episode. So let me know if that's something of interest and I'll get it on the calendar. All right, so here are some ideas for streamlining the items that you might need to enjoy a hobby. 
So a hobby like hiking, running, or walking, all you would need would be quality shoes and weather-appropriate clothing. Pretty simple. If you want to take up photography, I mean, honestly, you could use your smartphone. But if you do want to get fancier, a DSLR with a multi-use lens is a great place to start. Try to get something that would um, be a broad range so that you can get a lot of different photos um, from one lens instead of trying to be very granular and getting different lenses for different scenarios. Cooking, if that's a hobby you want to take up, well, invest in a cooking class and challenge yourself to cook with just a few pans and one good knife. You can do a lot with very few things in the kitchen. Trust me, I have cooked all over the world through Airbnbs with a wide variety of kitchen gadgets or very limited kitchen gadgets. So you can do it. I know you can. And then limit yourself to one new cuisine a month so that you don't have to go out and buy several different unique ingredients all in one go and you can try different things. If gardening is your hobby, you can either do indoor or outdoor gardening, and you can start really small with just a couple of houseplants or some succulents or some herbs in your kitchen or on the windowsill, or you can do a more care-intensive plant like a bonsai tree. In the outdoors, you can grow a few veggies. You can start with a container garden, or you can start with a small square foot garden. But the point is to start small and grow it as your interest and your plants grow. If you're into sewing or needlework, when you're into this one, wow, because this these crafts can get really um, out of hand. So I'm going to talk about crafting a little bit. So with sewing or needlework, I want you to challenge yourself to start with one project and finish it before buying more materials. That one is a tough one for me too. That's why I don't do a lot of crafting these days anymore. I used to have a lot of um, open-ended projects. And so I try to really wrap them up first before I try something else. If you are a serious crafter with lots of supplies, I want you to challenge yourself to use up the items that you have in storage before you purchase more. If reading is a hobby you want to take up, this was another one that's super minimalist friendly because you can use your local library and I want you to use it to its fullest potential. You can reserve books so you can just pick them up and you don't even have to like go and browse, but please go and browse all you want in a library. I love libraries. Um, You can create a virtual bookshelf with your library account generally. You can listen to audiobooks and they're a great, it's a great way to participate in reading without having to add those physical books to your home book collection because you just borrow them and then you take them back and you can get them anytime you want at the library. It's wonderful. So please check it out. Crafting, okay, so similar to sewing, the crafting possibilities are endless, right? You can do jewelry, you can do paper crafts, you can do scrapbooking, you can do woodworking, you can do so many different things with crafts. So I want you to try to only buy the things that you will complete and then follow through with those before you get more supplies. This one could be endless, so really just try to um, make that work for whichever craft you like to do. Painting is another art medium where supplies can take over. So invest in quality brushes and primary paint colors along with black and white because you can mix those and create any color. I mean, the color possibilities are endless, right? That's what all colors come from. So then make sure to only purchase canvases when you need them or even look at using alternative materials to paint on like rocks or reclaimed pieces. Now, I also want to point out with art things like arts, crafts, sewing pieces, you can share your finished products with your friends and your family, or you could also sell them online and create a side business for yourself. 
So creating a business is a different kind of hobby, and that just might interest you and become your passion in the end. Now, the idea with all of these is to start small and not go overboard with a hobby until you discover that it's truly a passion. If it hits that level of passion, then all of the items that go with it will bring you joy and will not be a burden on you. And so it really hits that fine line between minimalism and, you know, when it starts to become too much. But if the the hobby is bringing you joy and makes you excited about life, then it fits in with your minimalist tendencies, even if it feels like more than you should have. Again, should is such a, you know, crazy word because there is it doesn't matter if it brings if it makes you happy then you're allowed to keep it so the problem with hobby clutter is that that burden often comes when you start a hobby and then you realize it's something that you're not really into you don't want to pursue it turns out mm, you didn't end up liking it in the first place and that is when the guilt sets in and that is when you sit there and you think oh i outlaid all this money now i have all this stuff but you have no real desire to do that thing that you thought you did, when you start with that minimum viable amount, you can stop a hobby as soon as you realize that it's not your thing and you can move on pretty quickly. All right, so that is my take on how you can keep hobby clutter at bay. And now it is your turn. I wanna know how do you keep your hobby stuff under control? Do you limit your number of hobbies? Have you found what you're passionate about? Or do you have a bunch of hobby clutter that you need to declutter and let go? Come on over to the Wannabe Minimalist Family Group on Facebook or tag me on Instagram and let me know. I'm little.green.bow on Instagram, or you can use the hashtag Wannabe Minimalist Family. And you can find us on Facebook by searching for Wannabe Minimalist. Now, tell me if this episode was helpful or if it has you looking at your hobby stuff in a new light. I'm excited to hear from you and offer encouragement on your journey toward less stuff and the happy, vibrant life that you and your family deserve. And don't forget to pick up all the show notes for today at littlegreenbow.com 84. There you can find links to all of my resources that will help you on your journey, along with my latest free downloads and guides. It's all on my website at littlegreenbow.com forward slash the number 84. And that just about wraps it up for today's episode. But before I go, I once again want to take a minute to thank you for listening to this podcast. I appreciate that you choose to spend some of your time with me, and I hope that the information I provide is helpful, entertaining, and inspiring. And if you enjoyed today's episode and have not done so already, please take a moment to leave a rating and a review. You can do it right now on the app you are using to listen to this episode. Give it a rating. I hope you find it's worth a five-star rating. And let me know what you think of this show and what else you want me to cover. Not only is it great to hear how the show is helping you, it's one of the best ways for me to help you more and to talk about the topics that interest you the most. And while you're there, go ahead and subscribe to be notified of new episodes wherever you prefer to listen to podcasts. Join me here next week for another guest episode. I will be talking to Ali Wensky about the art of happy moving. Did you know it's possible to have a happy move and not be stressed? Well, there might still be some stress, but Allie's advice helped me a lot in my recent move, and I know she has some good advice that will help you too, even if you are not planning a move anytime soon. Cheers, and I will see you here next week. <laughs>